I'm part of my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so today, I hope to be the last day of um, Alpha Beta Unlimited. I got up to O, and I'm gonna, gonna focus, try to finish today. So when we left, we were up to Orcish Artillery. So one red red for a one three, summon orcs. You can tap it to deal two damage to any target uh, and three to itself. Um, so this was one of the misprints in Alpha. This was printed not at one red red, so it normally costs three mana, two which are red, but it only costs one and a red. So it was pretty good. It was, uh, it was a little bit cheaper, a little less red mana. Um, also, Orcish Aura Flame, which costs three and a red. It's an enchantment, and it says when you attack, all your creatures get plus one, plus oh, so give all your attacking creatures a power boost. Also got misprinted at one and an hour. So both Orcish Artillery and Orcish Aura Flame both were printed at one and a red, when in fact they were respectively one red red and three red. Um, so three mana and four mana. Uh, but anyway, it's funny. Uh, Orcish Aura Flame, I actually believe that the correct power level, if it's playable, would be one and a red. So I joke sometimes that we need to make Alpha Orcish Aura Flame. Um, I think Alpha Aura Flame also, by the way, at one point got restricted or banned or something uh, in a complete misunderstanding of... Maybe, maybe the reason they banned it was because people were playing with the Alpha version. So, oh, when the game first came out, by the way, if you had a version that said something different, you got to play it as that version. Now we have a rata that says, okay, all cards play the same way. If you have a card, whatever the current wording of it is, is what that card does. But back in the day, it said, oh, well, if you have an Alpha Orcish Aura Flame and it costs one in a red, well, it costs one in a red. Um, and so people were definitely playing the Alpha version of the card. There were times people would trade and they wanted the Alpha version um, just because it allowed you to do some stuff. Like Island Sanctuary, I didn't bring this up, but Island Sanctuary, for example, in Alpha, said that it prevented damage um, from everything that wasn't a flyer or an island walker. So, for example, you could use Orcish Artillery with an Island Sanctuary, Alpha Island Sanctuary, and the damage that would be dealt by it, um, it would prevent the damage from the Orcish Aura Flame, because Orcish Aura Flame, um, the damage, uh, it couldn't do damage. Uh, if, you had, I, I, I say, if you had an Island Sanctuary from Alpha, you couldn't be damaged by non, damage from non-flyers, non-Island Walkers. Well, guess what? Orcish Artillery... Um, which does damage to you, by the way, not to the orchestra artillery. Uh, does damage to you. So it's two to any target, three to you, the player that owns it, controls it. Um, but anyway, the Alpha Island Sanctuary will prevent the damage from the orchestra artillery because it doesn't have flying or island walk. Uh, and then later it, it was reworded that combat damage. Things that have flying, um, things that have flying or island walk couldn't deal combat damage to you. Okay, let's move on. Pestilence. Two black, black. Four mana, two which is black. It's an enchantment. You can spend one black and then it would say, do one damage to each creature and to both players. And the card was discarded at end of turn if there were ever no creatures in play. So basically what it did is, you could spend it to do a damage to all creatures and all players. It's funny, it says both players, because a lot of the wording in Alpha just assumed it was a two-player game. Didn't even take into account that maybe people would play multiplayer. The idea of three or more players was not something um, that, I think... It's not that Richard didn't realize it could happen, but he didn't word it. The wording wasn't assumed that maybe you would play with And we now know that a lot of people actually play Magic with more than two people. So we now word it such that it makes sense with more than two people. Um, but anyway, Pestilence was a very interesting card. shouldn't have been common. Uh, in fact, it got reprinted in uh, Urza's Saga at Common. 
and so warped with the limited. But like Alpha didn't have much limited. The idea of playing with the cards you open, you know, limited formats, that didn't really happen until um, a couple years later. Um, I mean, it wasn't even until well, until we started making a Mirage that we even thought about limited play and like actually made decisions in building sets for limited play. Um, I don't think anyone's ever played Ice Age Limited, but Ice Age Limited is painful because it really just wasn't designed to be played limited with. And there were some cards that just, like, at common, there just wasn't ways to get rid of enchantments that weren't enchant world enchantments and made it hard to play when you just don't have easy answers to things that show up all the time. Um, but anyway, Pestilence caused all sorts of problems in Urza Saga. Uh, it's a fun card um, from a flavor standpoint. I, I, it's one of my favorite designs just from a pure sort of top-down flavor. The idea that there's this plague that's spreading, a pestilence, if you will, uh, and, but if there's no creatures to spread it, then it goes away. So I, th- that was kind of neat. I, I actually like pestilence. Um, there's a big question nowadays whether pestilence really is a black spell. It probably is a red spell. I think we did a red version of it in Planar Chaos, trying to play up that's really not a red spell, not a black spell. Um, but anyway, uh, it is, it is a, I, I have fond memories. Plague rats, two and a black, summon rats. X, X. Some of the ones were star and some were X. I'm not sure what made... Star and X are the same thing. They're just variables. Uh, so once again, an example of templating where the same thing just meant... You know, different things would mean the same thing. So this was XX, though. And then it said X equals the number of plague rats in play. And it gives you examples. Let's say there are two in play, then they're all 2-2. Two, two. So the idea essentially of plague rats is... And it cut it all plague rats in play, not just on your side. But um, it allowed you to... Um, it allowed you to um, count the number you have. And you were allowed to have as many Plague Rats as you wanted. Um, I, I think early magic... Um, early magic didn't limit the number of cards you could have. I think Plague Rats gained that ability once we started restricting how many cards you could have. So I think the alpha version doesn't tell, doesn't tell you you can have as many as you want, only because you were allowed to have as many as you want. That wasn't an issue. And I think when we put the, the thing in place to restrict how many you could have we put on Plague Rats specifically that you were allowed to have as many as you wanted. Because that was kind of the intent of the card. Um, so Plague Rats is one of those cards that was very, very popular. Um, a lot of people had Plague Rat decks. It was common. You could collect them. Uh, and they were really popular. Plague Rats was the kind of thing that you had a couple out, not that powerful, but you get like five or six out. All of a sudden, you have six, six, six creatures, right? And it only costs three mana. So three mana for a one, one isn't particularly good. Three mana for a two, two, not particularly good. Three mana for a three, three, we're getting better. Four, four, five, five, six, six, something really good. Um, and so the playground deck actually was um, back in the day, back when people, you know, when Magic first started and everybody was a beginner, it, it actually it did better than it would normally do just because of the environment it was played in. And people had a lot of fun. So Playgrass has inspired a bunch of different things. Uh, for example, do you like slivers? Slivers were inspired by Plague Rat. Mike Elliott, when he made Slivers, was very much inspired by trying to make a Plague Rat-ish thing. Just taking Plague Rats and instead of just granting power and toughness boosts, what if you granted other things as well? Um, the Kindle mechanic that I made in Tempest. Uh, the cards in which I was trying to make a Plague Rat lightning bolt. You know, the idea that the more you have, the more powerful it is. So the Kindle mechanic comes from Plague Rats. Um, the ally mechanic... Um, from um, Zendikar, which, which is much inspired by um, Slivers, but Slivers were inspired by Plague Rats. So also owes its existence to Plague Rats. So Plague Rats is one of those cards that's just very influential design-wise, very popular. Um, players liked it. 
Okay, plateau. Plateau's a land. It, on the card, it says, counts as a mountain in a plains. Now it's just errated to be a subtype mountain in plains. You can tap to add red or white. Um, so plateau is one of the dual lands, original dual lands. Uh, most thing it's famous for, the reason I'm talking about it here is, uh, it is the only card to have its art changed um, for unlimited edition. Uh, so what we did is we made limited. So uh, limited edition came out. It was black bordered. And the idea originally for Magic was the first edition of all cards would be black border, and then all future editions would be white border. So you wanted to get the original edition because it was black border, and black border signified that. So most sets when they came out would be black border because that, that was the first printing. Um, but the idea was the core sets where we were printing things, we'd make them in white border. So the fir- very first core set was in black border, which we called limited edition. And then, and the idea was there's only so much limited edition we're going to produce. Then, when they decided to go to whiteboard of an exporting, they called it unlimited edition. The idea being limited meant we're only going to put so much, print so much, and unlimited means we're going to print to demand. It's kind of what unlimited meant. The problem was unlimited wasn't unlimited. They only printed so much, and then they ended up going to, uh, to revise, which was essentially third edition. So it's a weird named, um, it's an odd name, uh, unlimited edition. Um, but anyway, one of the weird things is Plateau has different art. Why does Plateau have different art? Uh, the answer is that um, the file got corrupted and they, did, they couldn't find the original. So they didn't have the ability to get the art again. They just didn't. And so what they ended up using was a piece of art that I think was originally designated for Ice Age, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, so what happened was they, they lost the art. They couldn't replicate it. They were under, and they didn't figure this out until late in the process, meaning I think the artist, Rob Alexander, I'm guessing is the artist, uh, had the original maybe because the artist always gets the original back and maybe they didn't have time to get the original and they didn't have a digital copy of it it wasn't corrupted so anyway that is why Plateau changed art Prodigal Sorcerer two and a blue so three mana one of which is blue summon wizard one one uh, you tap it to do one damage to any target it said uh, which is kind of funny because you later on just tap to deal damage to target creature or player uh, you couldn't deal damage to an artifact that's not a creature or an enchantment that's not a creature um, although it, that's how it was worded in Alpha. Um, so this, this was the first magic card that I remember that got a nickname. So it was nicknamed Tim. Uh, and that is because in the movie um, Monty, Poth, Monty Python um, and the Holy Grail, there's a character named uh, Tim the Enchanter. Uh, and he's, he throws fireballs from his fingertips. Uh, you know, some call me Tim. Um, and anyways... He, some people thought he looked a little bit like him. It doesn't really, but um, but he does. His ability essentially is he's using little little magic to, to throw little sparks or something. That's why he's doing one damage. And so anyway, he started getting called Tim, and the name picked up, and it really became the first sort of just like. I mean, there are nicknames in which the nickname is tied to the card. Your Hurlun Minotaur is Hurley, okay, but it comes from Hurlun Minotaur. You maybe could figure that out, Tim. If I talked about Tim and you didn't know the connection or weren't in on the lingo, you had no idea what Tim... Who's Tim? I have no idea. Um, so it's just an early example of sort of magic slang. Um, one of the things as you get involved in magic, you know, there's just more and more slang that comes about that some of it maybe you can extrapolate, but some of it are just some things that if you don't know, you know, if you don't know the group think of what it is, it's very hard to figure out. Okay, Red Elemental Blast. Red. In Alpha, it was an instant. Uh, later it was an interrupt, and then later an instant. Uh, so it was misprinted in alpha. I'll, so I'll, I'll get back to a second. It's printed as an instant, by the way, in alpha. Uh, counters a blue spell being cast or destroys a blue card in play. 
So this was the red version of Blue Elemental Blast. Uh, well, Blue Elemental Blast was printed as an interrupt. Red was accidentally printed as an instant, uh, which without being an interrupt, you can't counter a spell with it. So technically when it was printed, it didn't work. It had to be eroded. Um, the funny thing is, in 6th edition rules, we got rid of interrupts. So it's a weird card that was misprinted, eroded, and then eroded back to its original misprinted version uh, that actually became an instant. So the alpha is an instant, and it says it's an instant, even though at the time it was supposed to be an interrupt. A little trivia there. Um, this card is wildly out of color pie. Uh, red A shouldn't be countering spells, and B should not be able to just destroy blue things in play. Uh, red doesn't really destroy things anymore, especially not supposed to destroy things like, like enchantments. Like, Red Elemental Blast could get rid of stasis and just things that red's not supposed to get rid of. So, this card causes all sorts of color pie violations. Next, Regrowth. Regrowth is a sorcerer that costs one in the green, two mana, one which is green. Return any card from your graveyard to your hand. So, this card got cards back. Uh, it's definitely one of the cards that's restricted in older formats. Um, it is definitely one of the cards on the border. Uh, the only reason this card is restricted is... Because, like, I think actual regrowth is supposed to cost, like, three mana. It's not too much overpowered. There's just some really, really powerful cards in older formats that are restricted. And so I, I think it's restricted only because it just gives you access to those powerful cards. I think it's restricted. Maybe someone unrestricted, but I wasn't watching. It, one day, maybe it gets unrestricted. I think it's currently still restricted. Rock Hydra, X, red, red. So uh, two red mana plus X. X is generic. Um... So summon Hydra, 0-0. Zero, zero. Uh, you put X plus one plus one counters, and then in parentheses is that heads. Get it? These are heads. You're putting heads on the creature, on the Hydra. Uh, each damage destroys a head unless R is spent, unless uh, one red mana is spent. Um, and during your upkeep, you can grow new heads for red, red, red. So this was the original Hydra. I'm not sure by why it was stuck in red. It was a rock Hydra, so it was in the mountains, which is a red thing. Um... We took a long time figuring out the iconic for green, and one of the reasons it took us so long to come across Hydra, which makes a lot of sense, it's a beast, it grows, um, it's just it was in red originally, and, you know, Richard sort of, a lot of decisions Richard made stuck for a long time, uh, just because that was the way the game was made, you know, and eventually as we ran out of answers for green, someone said, you know, Hydra seems to make a lot of sense, why don't we just move Hydra just to green? Um, but anyway, back in Alpha, back in the day, Hydras were red. Um, I also find this card interesting in that it uses a technical thing, plus and plus encounters, and then literally like just says in parentheses, like, this is the flavor. Get it? This is the flavor. And then for the rest of the card, instead of referring to plus and plus encounters, it just refers to heads. I, I find that very interesting. I, I kind of like that technology. Sanger Vampire. Three black black for a, a summon a vampire. Four, four, flying. And whenever a creature dies that has been damaged by Sanger Vampire, Sanger Vampire gets a plus one, plus one counter. So it's a really flavorful-sounding ability, which we actually call the Singer ability, which is you kill things and then get bigger because you, you drink their blood, you're a vampire. The problem is because players know that happens uh, and because Singer Vampire flies, it just doesn't happen a lot. There's not a lot of chump blocking of the Singer Vampire. Um, a, because it's flying, it's hard to block. And even then, use it like, do I take four or make your guy a 5-5? Five, five? Eh, unless you're going to kill me, I usually take the four. Um... Now, Sanger Vampire was very popular. Despite the fact that this ability was kind of weak, it was very popular. Um, in Homelands, you would see the whole Sanger Vampire family would, you know, Baron Sanger and such would be played out. Um, but it was still a popular card, despite the fact that the one ability didn't show up much. Sarah Angel, three red, three white, white. Summon Angel, 4-4. Four, four. Flying, and it is the first card with Vigilance. Although, 
Uh, at the time, it was spelled out. Vigilance didn't come to many years later. But this was the card that inspired Vigilance. I, you know, didn't tap when it attacked. Um, Sarah Angel was one of the most popular creatures in the early days. Maybe, maybe even the most popular creature. Um, it was used in the deck, which is a, the very first constructed deck by Brian Weissman. Uh, he used... Um, it was, I think his one win condition was the Sarah Angel. Just as he was locking things down, he, I think he might have used Stasis also. Uh, and Vigilance was good in a deck with Stasis because it didn't tap, so you could attack with it every turn and not worry about not being able to untap it. Um, Sarah, by the way, actually comes from the word serrated because uh, Richard was trying to make a battle angel. He was just trying to make his own version. You know, uh, angels in the Bible, like angels in the Bible tend to be male, and they, there's a lot of, I don't know. Richard was just trying to re envision, and he loved the idea of a female battle angel. Uh, he knew it would have a sword, so the Sarah, he was trying to make a word that sounded kind of rough, like serrated. That's where Sarah comes from. Uh, they later retroactively made a character named Sarah who made the angels. So um, I think by the time the game came out, uh, it was no longer referencing blades or anything. It was just a character. Speaking of other characters, Shivan Dragon. Four red red, summon dragon, five five, flying with fire breathing, meaning spend a red for plus one plus social under turn. Um, Shivan originally was making a reference to um, Shiva, the god of destruction, the Indian god of destruction, but making reference to uh, you know gods that are still currently... Uh, it's not that was a bad idea, so we actually made up a world called Shiv, which is a place on Dominaria. And so the Shivan dragon was a dragon from Shiv. Sinkhole, black, black sorcery, destroy target land. I just want to bring this up because this was one of the... A lot of early magic. Um, this card caused a lot of problems. It's funny. Red was really supposed to be the land destruction color, and it's stone rain. Um, and it's the one that requires only one... one like, this requires two black mana. Stone rain requires one red mana. But the difference between being two mana versus being three mana... And black was already, mono black had already all these reasons to make you want to play mono black. Plus, the existence of Dark Ritual, you know, Sinkhole and Dark Ritual and Hypnotic Spectre, that, that triumphant just created lots and lots of unhappy games. Because you, you had the ability so quickly to destroy land, to knock things out of your opponent's hand, and it just was, was uh, not unfun early magic. Soul Ring, a, uh, mono artifact, costs one. Uh, so you can tap it to add two colorless mana to your mana pool. Plays an interrupt, of course, because it, it was alpha. Um, so a lot of people, it's funny, Soul Ring is one of those cards that a lot of people think of as being innocuous. Like, oh, you know, I know we, we put them in Commander stuff, but it's a really powerful card. Um, there are some that argue that it might be more powerful than cards that are in the Power 9. Um, I've definitely heard that argued. And that, you know, should this should Soul Ring have been, should there have been a Power 10 and Soul Ring? Soul Ring is quite, quite powerful. I think a lot of people underrate how powerful it is. It's a very powerful card. Stasis, one in a blue, enchantment. Players do not get an untap phase. And you can pay a blue, you, put, you pay a blue during your upkeep, or Stasis is destroyed. Not sacrificed, destroyed. Um, there's a lot of, the, the idea of, uh, the word sacrifice did show up in alpha, but it was not consistently used for getting rid of your own things. So the, the cool part of Stasis, the reason I brought the story up, it was a powerful card, saw a lot of play, but the cool thing is Faye Jones, who did the art, is a, the fun story is Faye Jones is Richard Garfield's aunt. And she, in fact, was a, an artist. You know, not, not, not like a, not just an illustrator, but like a fancy hanger pictures and museum artist. And as a favor to her, her nephew, she drew a picture for his game he was making. Um, and so Faye Jones is one of the, you know, most accomplished artists as far as, you know, just... Uh, art beyond just illustration, but in you know actual painted canvas hanging museum sort of artists, 
Um, but anyway, it, it is a very quirky piece of art. Uh, it's a cool piece of art, I think, but it definitely is a one of the odder pieces of art. And where to come from? Richard Garfield's aunt. Okay, Stream of Life uh, uh, is a sorcery for X and a green, so one green mana plus X, which is generic. Um, target player gains X life. So the cool thing about um, this card is, if you said, what card from Alpha, if we printed today, um, would have the exact same wording on all of the card um, as it did in Alpha? And the answer is Stream of Life. It would still be a sorcery. It, it would still be X and green in its cost. It would still say target player gains X life. Um, creature cards don't work because they used to say summon and now we don't. Artifacts don't work because they were mono artifact and continuous artifact. Um, interrupts, obviously, you know, are now instants. Um, like giant growth, I think, doesn't work because it says gain rather than get. Like we've changed templates. Um, so just between all the different changes, the one that makes it is stream of life. Swords to Plowshares, instant for uh, 1W, single white mana. Uh, essentially, exile target creature, although it didn't say exile at the time, just to remove from the game. And then its controller gains life equals to its toughness. Um, this was a very popular early card. White didn't have a lot of power. It had balance, it had Armageddon, and it had um, Swords of Plowshares. Those were the most powerful white cards early on. Uh, but Swords was probably the most powerful creature removal spell. It removed any creature for one mana, it didn't matter. Uh, and the fact that it gained life was pretty irrelevant. Um, one of the problems this card had was it really made white the best creature removal color, and that wasn't what white was supposed to be. Black was supposed to be that. But black had riders and couldn't get rid of certain things, or white could just get rid of anything, and so cheaply. Uh, and so swords definitely caused a lot of problems. The flavor, by the way, a lot of people don't realize is what, what you're doing in the card is you're taking away the creature's desire to be violent. And so instead of fighting, they go become a farmer. So the swords turn into plowshares because now they're becoming a farmer. Anyway, a lot of people miss that. Tear, one in a black instant. Destroy target non-black, non-artifact creature. So the reason I put this here is actually not for the effect, although that effect of non-black would really, sh and non-artifact would shape things to come. Black for a long, long time only would destroy non-black things, often non-artifact things, and uh, just sort of the grandfathering sometimes of early alpha things would last. Um, but the reason I brought this card up is something most people don't realize about the art. The art, as turned in by the artist, Ron Spencer, is not oriented the way that he painted it. I think that his back is on the ground. Um, yes, Premier Force didn't realize which way was up and printed the card in a different orientation than intended by the artist. But it just, people liked it, it looked cool, and we ended up, you know, once it got known by that orientation, it stayed, it never changed. But it's interesting that the artist did not intend that orientation. Next, the Hive, five, mono artifact, uh, five and tap. Make a giant wasp artifact 1-1 one, one creature with flying. Um, this card is interesting in that it told you, it, it said you made a giant wasp token and said you represent it with tokens. It told you to do that. Um, and it also described a lot of token rules. It talked about how if it went away, it didn't come back. If you unsummon it, it went away. This is the card that sort of was the first real token-making card and in its text explained a bunch of things about token-making. This card was wildly popular, much like Clockwork Beast. This is one of those cards you had to open if you wanted to get your hands on because it was so popular. Um, and I think it really showed us the popularity of tokens. This is one of the things that said, you know, people really like creature tokens and got us to, to make a lot more of them. Time Vault, Mono Artifact, cost two. Uh, tap to gain an extra turn, but it doesn't untap it normal. The only way to untap it is to skip your turn. So the idea is I give up a turn to get a turn later. So the idea is maybe early on when my turns don't matter as much, I trade it for later on when the turns really matter. 
Um, there was some nasty combos where you would animate this. You would use uh, animate artifact to turn this into a creature, and then using still energy, and then untap it every turn so you get infinite turns. Uh, it was later errated to say that you couldn't untap it unless you spent. Um, it wasn't just that the, the card didn't untap. It couldn't untap unless you paid the turn. That now you couldn't throw other means untap it because it was just kind of degenerate. We've been back and forth on this. And I mean, one of the big things is was that the intent or not the intent? It's, there's all sorts of arguments about time fault, but it causes all sorts of issues. Time walk, sorcery, one in a blue. Take an extra turn after this one. Uh, I, I think I told the story earlier on, but this is the card that uh, originally said um, target or uh, an opponent loses next turn. And so people thought that, that, like, oh, next turn you lose the game and I win. Uh, and so Richard changes. So instead of your opponent losing a turn, you gained a turn to avoid the confusion. Uh, this is one of the Power Nine. It's a very popular card, a very powerful card. Um, and uh, we later remade this in Tempest, costing three blue, blue, which is five mana. And I think our belief was it was still too cheap. So this card is a powerful effect. Time Twister, two and a blue sorcery. You set aside Time Twister in a new graveyard. Then you shuffle your hand grave. You shuffle all hands, graveyards, and libraries together. I mean, not sorry. You shuffle your hand, graveyard, and library together, and your opponent shuffles their hand, graveyard, and library together, uh, and then all players draw a hand of of new cards. Um, so this card is really powerful, and then it allows you to essentially draw seven cards. I mean, you have to um, lose your hand. Normally, when you cast this, it's because you don't have much of a hand. Um, it also allows you to shuffle stuff from your graveyard back into your library, which can be very important. Um, it does it to everybody, but once again, because it's a fact where you control when it happens most often it's more beneficial for you. Um, this is one of the Power Nine. It's probably the weakest of the Power Nine. Um, like when people argue that Soul Ring is stronger than the piece of the Power Nine, probably Time Twitcher is the one they're arguing about. Um, not that it's a weak card. It's, it's by no means a weak card. But uh, it is not quite as strong as some of the other Power Nine. Although still pretty strong. Unholy Strength, Black, Enchant Creature. Target Creature gets gains. That doesn't get. Target Creature gains plus two, plus one. Um... Uh, so the reason I brought this card up was in the back of it, it had a little pentagon. It has a little guy. I don't know what he's doing. It looks like he's stretching, but he's doing something. And there's a pentagon in the background. And for a while, um, Magic was really concerned. We got a bunch of early complaints. And so we stripped away the pentagon from it. So there's un, uh, the alpha version has the pentagram in the background. And then later versions didn't. You know, the I don't know, like in Revise, it, it didn't have it there. And then later we said, what are we doing? We put it back. Um, we sort of... We, we, were, we were a little worried. We, the, the same time we sort of took Demon, the Demon Creature type out of the game. I, I wrote an article about it called Where Have All the Demons Gone? If you ever want to read about it. Okay, next. Verdurn Doppelganger. Not Verdurn. Vesuvin. Vesuvin Doppelganger. Uh, the Verdurn Enchantress. Vesuvin Doppelganger. Three blue blue. It's a star star, not an XX. Uh, summon Doppelganger. Uh, it enters the, the battlefield as a copy of any creature, much like clone, except it has a text that says, at the beginning of your upkeep, you can choose another creature if you want and copy it, but also keep this text. So clone, you made a choice, copied it, and then like clone was never on the battlefield as anything other than the thing you chose, where doppelganger kept changing. I guess it's never the doppelganger, but it kept changing. So you play it, and then you can keep upgrading what you want it to be. Now, it could always stay the same thing like a clone, but you have the ability, and clone costs four, this costs five, you have the ability to change it. And this was a very popular card um, early on. Uh, this, was, uh, this was on the t-shirts. I said originally the Wizards made three t-shirts. This was one of the art on the original t-shirts, because people really liked the art. It's by, by um, um, Quinton Hoover. Um, very, very pretty. Volcanic Island, so an island mountain, or counts as an island and mountain in Alpha. Uh, it was a land that taps for blue or red. It's one of the dual lands. It's the dual land we forgot from Alpha. 
So there are only nine dual ends in alpha. There were ten in beta. Um, so this was the one that was forgotten. Winter Orb 2, Continuous Artifact. Players only untap one land a turn. So this card was very famous. Um, one of the interesting things about this card was um, during 6th edition rules, we changed the rule. Magic used to have a rule that said if artifacts are tapped, they turn off, which was very powerful this card. You would play it, and you'd have an uh, icy manipulator or something, and you would tap it to turn it off. So on your opponent's turn, they only got one land. On your turn, you got all your lands on tap, which is really powerful. Um, and then when we changed the 6th edition rules, we took the few cards that cared about being tapped, which mostly was a Calling Mine, Winter Orb, and we gave it a Rada that said, um, when this is tapped, oh, as long as this is untapped, it's a fact. So the idea is you could tap it. So then what happened was we reprinted um, a Howling Mine in the core set, and we put that text on it. But we never reprinted Winter Orb because it's too strong. And then we went to the idea of, you know what? We're going we're gonna to stick to the original intent of cards, and we're not going to change their, their ability with Oracle. But the thing is, because Howling Mine had been printed, and the most recent printing had the writer of, if untapped, we kept Howling Mine that way. But Winter Orb, which never had a printing that did that, because it was only an Oracle, got undone. And a lot of people were upset with us because they liked that version of Winter Orb, but because the original card didn't do that, and we never printed a version that had that effect, we took it off. And there was much, much debate about that. Word of Command, Black, Black, Instant. Uh, this card allowed you to play a card out of your opponent's hand. It was super, super wordy. It didn't really work in the early days. Um, eventually, using the, the Mind Slaver was a card in Mirrodin that allowed you to take control of your opponent for a turn. Using Mind Slaver tech, we were finally able to fix it. Because now what it does is you take control of your, your opponent for a, a little sliver of time so you can cast a spell. Um, and that allows you to, to just cast the one spell, but it keeps your opponent from doing things. The problem originally was... When you cast this card, you were allowed to use your opponent's mana to make the spell, but in response to you casting it, they could mess with you and sp- spend all their mana, and then when you got there, you didn't have mana to cast the card. Um, because it was an instant, they could respond to it. So, anyway, um, the other fun thing about this card was, I don't know whether the art never came in, or they for Somehow, in the end, it was about to go to print press, and they didn't have the art. And so it was up to Jesper to make the art. And so this art was done really, really quickly. Um, there's a rumor that this is the eyes from Howling Mine. I actually think that's not... I think Yesler was just inspired by the eyes from Howling Mine. I think. I don't think there's physically the eyes from Howling Mine. But anyway, it was done really quick last minute, and that's why this is not the most breathtaking of pieces of art, because it, it was literally done, literally, literally, right near the end. Okay, Wrath of God, two white, white sorcery. All creatures and player are destroyed and can't regenerate. So it, uh, it buried back... back for a long time in Magic, or not long time, for early days, we had a, a word that said bury, which is destroy and cannot regenerate. And so there's, there's an actual version of this card which says, uh, you know, bury all creatures in play. Um, or all creatures in play are buried, probably is what it said. Anyway, this was a very powerful early card. Um, we eventually decided it was a little too strong, so we don't make it anymore. Um, the one reason I brought this up is, um, somebody pointed this out to me and forever changed Wrath of God, so we're putting it out to you. Which is, there's a guy lying on top of the pile, right in the middle with a thong. And once you see that, you can't unsee the thong. I've now, I've now ingrained the thong in your mind. So now whenever you see Wrath of God, you'll go, Oh my God, the thong! Okay, last card, Zombie Masters. One black black, so three mana, two of which is black. Summon Lord. Uh, it was... Um, I assume it was a 1-1. One, one. I didn't write down his power toughness. My guess is it's a 1-1, one, one, only because Goblin King and Lord of Atlantis were both... 
don't know. Was Lord Atlantis? Lord Atlantis was a two-two. Maybe he's a two-two for one black black. I don't remember whether he's a one-one or a two-two. I apologize. Um, anyway, all zombies gain swamp walk and black uh, gain swamp walk and Texas splice. You can spend a black mana to regenerate. So it gave the drudge skeleton ability essentially. Um, so all zombies had the ability to have swamp walk and have regenerate. Um, the biggest problem with this card was uh, I don't know. The only zombie, yeah, the only zombie in the set. So Richard made three lords that all gave um, bonuses to creatures, and then he made a merfolk lord. But there was one merfolk, a one-one vanilla merfolk. He made a goblin lord. There was two, a one-one and a one-one that could fly for red activated ability. And then he made a zombie, and there was a scathed zombies, a two B two two, and that's the only zombies. Um, the funny thing is, there are actually other cards in alpha that um, should have been zombies. Like scavenging ghoul, which probably should have been a zombie, but at the time was a ghoul or whatever. Um, but anyway, it was a long time. Uh, I think the first time uh, there was another zombie was in the dark, and it was a blue card, so not even a black card, that had black regenerate, which is what this, what this granted. So anyway, it took a while for the zombie deck really to find enough. I, I wrote a whole article called um, ICC Dead People, which was me... The, the, the idea of the article was that uh, each creature type had a representative that would write to me, and it was Garg, uh, who was the, um, the zombie representative, who would write to me. I was in charge of overseeing the zombies, and he would write letters to me talking about how happy or unhappy he was with each set. And he's really, really mad in the early days because we just didn't do a lot for zombies. Um, it gets happier a little later as we do. Um, anyway, I, I got from A to Z. So that, my friends, is Alpha Beta Unlimited. So hopefully I tried to share a lot of different stories with you and give you a sense of some of the behind-the-scenes things of Magic's very first set. I hope you enjoyed this uh, series, and um, I will, again, in the future, do some more old-timey type stuff. But uh, I thought it was fun to, to bounce back to the early days. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed the series, And uh, but I'm now in my parking space. So we all know what that means. It means the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys next time.